Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Customer Data Perspectives podcast and webinar. I am Isaac Sokolik, president of Star CIO. And in this podcast and webinar, we're going to be talking through how different leaders think about orchestrate create demand and deliver value for customer data platforms. Joining with me today is David Robb. David is the founder at the CDP Institute. Uh, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the Institute? Okay, so the Institute is an organization whose mission is to educate the world about doing a better job with customer data. We were founded about five and a half years ago. We deal primarily with customer data platforms, but really our goal is to just help people do a better job because there's so much to be done with customer data. We spend a lot of time on privacy, for example, uh, which overlaps with CDPs, but it's a separate issue. We spend a lot of time on international uh, data, which is another complicated issue. So we just feel that there's a great deal that people need to learn to serve their customer better and customer data is the foundation of better customer experience. That's great. Uh, David, let's uh, start with a very basic 101. I can't think of anyone better to ask than yourself about what is, you know, what is a customer data platform? Why is it important? If you're talking to a CEO or to a board member, somebody who doesn't understand all the bits and bytes and how things connect, what is your elevator description of uh, what these platforms aim to accomplish? So it depends on the size of the elevator or how long the trip is. You know, the three-word thing is CDPs build profiles. And that's what we always say, if you remember nothing else from the next, you know, 20 minutes or whatever mm -hmm. it is, CDPs build customer profiles. That's what they do. They take the data from all of your systems that have customer data, and there are a lot of systems that have customer data today, and they pull that data into one place, into a unified profile, so you get a complete picture of each customer. Then they make that profile shareable by any system that needs it. So there's a formal definition of CDP as package software that builds unified persistent customer databases accessible to other systems. Now, now we're about the 20th floor in our elevator. <laughs> um, so we could go, if you have a, if you're a really tall, we can go through what all those things mean. But at the end of the day, it comes down to, they take that data from all the places, they put it in one place, and then they share it out to anybody who needs it. That's what CDPs do. Okay, so I have my CRM, I have my ERP, I have marketing systems, I've got uh, a number of customer-facing applications, and CDPs are going to help me br bring all the data into one place and create not just a profile, but kind of a living profile, right, in terms of everything that they're doing um, and all the interactions that are happening across these platforms. Do I have that right? That's right. The CDP will update itself as data flows in from the source systems. Some source systems will provide data as it occurs in real-time streams. Some source systems themselves can only push the data into the CDP on a daily or sometimes even less often basis. Um, but however frequently the data gets pushed in, the CDP will update it. Again, sometimes absolutely immediately. Sometimes it might be a lag of minutes or hours, rarely more than a day. Uh, so you do have a current complete picture. And that's not trivial. You know, people think, oh, it's just a database. Well, getting that data in, getting it updated, realizing that this email and that telephone and, and that um, computer are all the same person. And so you want to unify the data. That's non-trivial. There's a lot of work that happens to building out those profiles. 
But then the good news is that it's there, it's usable. So any other system that wants to use it doesn't have to do the profile building for itself because the CDP's done that work. It's kind of, we talk about sometimes about the CDP's like a farmer and the farmer does all the work to get the food, but it puts it on the shelf so the chef can just go into the store and grab the food that they need without worrying about how you grow it. I love that analogy. Let's 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 maybe take it a step further and maybe bring that elevator down a few levels and talk. Uh, I'm a technologist. I'm a data professional. I hear new platforms come and go every three to five years. Now, uh, somebody is telling me about a customer data platform. Uh, what problems at the data level do CDPs address um, that they would relate to? At a technical level, the main problem is that data integration problem. All these systems, they're having sort of a partial view of the customer, the CRM, knows what happened in the CRM. The web personalization system knows what's happened in web personalization. The call center knows what happened in the call center, but they, they're all you know, separated silos. So bringing that data together is really tricky. There's, there's that matching problem that I was just discussing about recognizing that this is really the same customer, regardless of whether they're on the phone or on the app or whatever. And, and then there's also simply the, the, the data complexity problem that, that they all store data in different ways and they may even have different terms with the same object. So you have to reconcile all that data and get pull it together in a format that's consistent and usable and easy. And none of those other systems that are collecting the data are really designed to do that data unification. It's a separate problem. Now, if you're an IT person, you're saying, hey, you just described a data warehouse. It's mm -hmm. like, well, yeah, okay. It's a lot like a data warehouse. Most data warehouses, however, traditionally are limited to structured data uh, transactions because they're, right, right. they're traditionally built for really financial analysis at the end of the day. <laughs> um, so the CDP is going to deal with unstructured and semi-structured data, web behavior logs in particular is something that very few data warehouses are designed to support, but native to a CDP because a lot of the data, of course, is web data today. So they're going to have a broader breadth of data than you would store in a traditional data warehouse. They're also going to be more flexible because they're designed to begin any kind of data. And often what you have is you'll have a new kind of data kind of pop up, either a new attribute that shows up on your website because somebody added a feature and didn't bother to instrument it to tell you about it, or a new data source. All of a sudden, we're doing you know virtual reality or something crazy science fiction thing that turns out to be totally real, right? And now there's an entire new source. Well, adding that stuff to a data warehouse, traditionally, weeks, months of work, that one attribute, because they're very carefully structured. Structured databases just take a lot of maintenance and they're great at what they do. But there's a downside to the CDPs decide to at least to, to at least store all that data. Now, there may still be some work to sort of make it accessible, to add it to the formal profiles, that are available to the other system, but at least it's there, it's captured. And the CDP does have the capability to extract whatever bits and bytes it needs to be used by whoever needs that particular piece of information. So it's it's a different sort of technical approach. And could you, if you're rich, we're still can talk to our imaginary IT person, could they build it for themselves? Oh well, yeah, eventually, of course they could, but it's a lot easier to buy something that's got all those things knit together than it is to buy the different pieces and, and, and do your own integration. Yeah, David, that, that's a one thread I wanted to pull in uh, with you. You mentioned data warehouses, very structured, you know, um, 
Therefore, it's got all the referential integrity, but you know, a little bit more complex to update, a little bit more complex to store unstructured data. Then some you talk to another chief data officer or an architect and they say, well, that's why we have our data lake, or that's why we have, uh, you know, we have uh, our, our data cloud or our data fabric, all kinds of different technologies there. And, um, you know, I equate this, and I want to see if you have the same perspective. I equate this to a build decision, right? I have my cloud platforms, I have my data management platforms, you know, I have my data integration platforms, I have my master data platforms, I've got all these tools. And, you know, someone's going to say, well, you know, should I? You know, why shouldn't I just build this? You know, connect to all the systems, bring all the data in. That's why I have all these systems. Uh, what's your response to that? Is, what, why is that a good, when is that a good idea? Maybe when it's not a good idea. Well, maybe a good idea if your systems are really doing most of what the CDP does. And, and we have this discussion in the industry a lot. Uh, and, you know, obviously the people who are signing the package software say, ah, nobody should ever build anything. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the reality is uh, I have seen situations where people had very robust existing infrastructures and where adding what a CDP does was a relatively straightforward process. So there was a case to be made. Um, but in most cases, there are very large gaps between what you have and what a CDP will do for you. So you have a data lake. We love data lakes. <laughs> data lakes are a great source of data for your CDP. It saves the developers having to go out and gather the data from all these systems because it's already being dumped into the data lake. But that's what data lakes are. They replace your dump data. That's all they are. It just takes the data in the original format and just puts it in a, in a copy of it while someplace else the analysts can play with it without interrupting the operation of the original source system. Getting that data, which is highly disorganized, again, into that organized format where other systems can use it is a lot of work. Data lakes don't do that work. Traditionally, data scientists go into the data lake, they dive around and scavenge and pick up the little bits that they need and they come up to the surface and then they go off into their little data scientist hut or boat or wherever it is data scientists live. And they do the work to assemble that data and make it usable for that project. And the next guy dives in and assembles a different set of data for his project. So they're just diving around the data lake and pulling out the bits that they need for different projects, but they're not creating an ongoing clean repository of data that other systems can use. That's not what data lakes are for. Okay, so the data lake is a source and it, many CDPs pull data out of a data lake, but it's just the starting point for the CDP process of, of, of transforming that disorganized data lake data into these profiles that CDPs build that are then available. So it, it's a very uh, different kind of value. Yeah, I, I think you actually introduced it, the concept earlier, the size, you know, what's the size of your elevator, right? And you probably could apply it to this question too, right? So if you have relatively clean data in your CRM and maybe you're only doing a limited amount of digital marketing on a couple of channels and your e-commerce site has, you know, a hundred SKUs to it, you know, relatively clean data, a few sources to pull it from, you know, maybe you can pull it all together if you have a, a pretty good data engineering team to go do that. But, you know, the average enterprise, you know, several CRMs, acquisitions, they're still trying to figure out how to pull ERPs together. They're doing multi-channel marketing across different platforms and they're asking lots of questions about, you know, how do we do cross-sells and upsells? 
And now we're getting into that complexity factor. But I, I also want to bring this question back to the the business leader who, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the CRM vendor, the marketing automation vendor um, has sold them this concept that, yeah, all your customer data should be in the CRM or all your customer data should be in a marketing automation platform. And now the CMO believes that. And the CFO said, well, I already made an investment over here. Why isn't it just working in the platforms I already invested in? So now maybe I'm, I'm trying to get a, a sponsorship going and I have to answer to the CMO and the CFO around CRMs and maybe marketing automation and maybe DMPs. What am I doing differently here to let them see there's something different here I'm focused on? I just said, you know, he got spreadsheets. Why are you using spreadsheets? I had a CEO tell me that. I had a CEO tell me that a number of times. Like, why don't you even have a CRM? Let's go use a let's go use a spreadsheet. That's right. And and you know, actually it's funny. I tapped chat with somebody the other day who was talking about selling CRMs 20 years ago, and she was having kind of the same debate we have about CDPs. Now, why do I need this thing? Um, and and CRMs are built to do what CRMs are built to do, which is to Put records in front of agents or salespeople so they can see what's up with this customer. Very important function, very valuable function. They're not built to pull in data from other systems. They're built to, to, to capture call notes, basically. That's what CRMs do. They don't even usually have, have purchase transactions in the CRM. So CRMs aren't built to unify data. Data management platforms are not built to pull in first-party data. They're built to manage cookies. Every one of those systems is very good at what it does, but it, what it was built for is not what a CDP is built for. So there's no reason to think that just because you invested in a DMP or a CRM or master data management not even, doesn't even claim to do that, <laughs> that it's going to do what a CDP does. It's, it's, you know, it's like saying, wow, I have this great boat. Why can't I find it? Well, it's not an airplane, it's a boat. Why would you expect it to fly? <laughs> well, I think there's like, you know, when you look at platforms, there's three levels, right? There's the level that the vendor is trying to sell you to, the vision, you know, what they want you to, you know, be all things to all people. Then there's what it actually does well um, and what it actually does well for the requirements that you're throwing at it, uh, which is, you know, every company is a little bit different in that respect. And then, then there's the reality, what you're actually using it for. Right. And, you know, CRMs, account management, customer, you know, pro, you know, basic customer profiles in terms of who they are, where they live, how to contact them, you know, pipeline um, in terms of your sales pipeline. And then, you know, you know, a lot of organizations splinter off of that quite a bit. And same thing with marketing automation, right? You know, certain channels, you know, trying to reach prospects off of it. But again, this idea of a, a unified customer profile and what's happening all, in all these platforms and how to start putting single panes of glass against that. I mean, these platforms were not originally designed to be able to do that. So, uh, you know, a good discussion over that. When we talked, you, you gave me a statement that I want to read off. Um, that I was intrigued by, you know, you ask executives, quote, is your data disconnected? And are there things you'd like to do, but you can't because your data is disconnected? What are some of the problems and use cases do these kind of questions really expose when you ask executives these questions? Uh, you know, everybody has, of course, different pain points. So which mm -hmm. one understands what their pain points are. But when we look at like the, the classic CDP use cases, okay. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, you, you know, one of them is letting the call center agent see what someone was just doing on the website. They were on the website, they were having a problem, or they were looking at a product, and they call up and they say, oh, hey, I have a question. It's really nice for the agent to see what they were just doing. So that means you're mm -hmm. getting data out of your website system into your call center system in real time. Mm -hmm. That's not a natural connection. Those two systems have no natural reason to be connected. So right. yeah, you could, you could maybe link them up together, but actually it's much more sense to throw that into a CDP. That's a real-time requirement for the CDP. Of course. I mean, what's what's the last three things I did before I engaged a chat bot or opened a, a ticket or called up? And that's incredible context, right? Right. And actually, just being able to see what you know the chat was. <laughs> chat. That's, exactly. not part of, that's not part of your CRM system. It's a whole separate system. So how do you get the one to be available to the other? Now, to mention, is this a loyal customer? Are they a gold-level customer? Are they a chronic complainer? All the stuff that's probably not in the CRM, so it will be a lot of it won't be, should be in the CDP. And then it's actually what often happens just to get a little deeper in the weeds for those CIOs out there is that, you know, that because the CRM can't support all that data, often the integration opens a window within the CRM screen that pulls in the CDP data. It doesn't actually take the data into the CRM mm -hmm. database. It just shows that data on the screen so the agent can see it. Because the CRM would blow up if you tried to throw all that data into it. So the yeah, right. CRMs aren't built to store that much data. So that's one classic thing. Um, uh, a second classic thing is retargeting. Mm -hmm. So somebody goes to the website, you know, they look at something, the famous pair of red shoes, they didn't buy the famous pair of red shoes, and now you want to retarget them. And that's great. And retargeting is very nice. And you push them out to, uh, you know, whatever social media platform you're going to advertise on or whatever web advertisement you're going to be retargeting through. And then, by golly, they come back and they do buy those red shoes. But of course, the retargeting system doesn't know that. So it keeps mm -hmm. asking them about the damn shoes <laughs> they already bought, or they, maybe they bought it in the store even. Mm -hmm. um, so the CDP captures that purchase, and it can make that, and then it can update their retargeting list again in near real time to get that person off of it so you don't annoy them by trying to sell them something they've already been sold. Um, and then the third classic use case is to combine my retail purchase history to my, with my e-commerce purchase history. So I get a complete purchase history, assuming that I sell both channels. So when I send out my email messages with offers, I can target the offers based on a complete customer. So every one of those use cases what they have in common is that they're sharing data across systems. That's really the point. That's really the core use case for the CDP. Any place where you're going to share data across systems, yep. that's something that does not happen naturally. That's something that a CDP really helps you to do. Yeah. I mean, two things that drive me nuts is, you know, when I open a ticket with a SaaS platform and I get the canned response, go clear your cache or upgrade your browser. You know, maybe they should know that, you know, I'm an ex-CIO and a little bit more technical and probably need to go direct to level two um, in their environment. Maybe I'm telling them something that they don't know. But you also gave the other classic use case. You know, I did my 20 minutes of shopping. I bought the red shoes and uh, um, I don't need to see more advertisements around it. And it was probably a gift. 
right? And, you know, maybe you should put that into the entire context by what you're showing to me. So um, you see examples of companies doing it really, really well. And you see examples of companies doing brute force, you know, you know, very simple heuristic ways of doing things like retargeting or doing simple, you know, presentation of data back to customer service. And it's because they're not bringing that data in real time and letting people make some better decisions. People, or in some cases, algorithms. We'll talk about algorithms too as a follow-up. Um, let's dive into industries a little bit. I think, you know, when I think about um, platforms, it could be uh, CRM platforms, it could be content management, it could even be e-commerce. There's kind of like a, um, a spectrum of how they're being used and when they became mature in different industries. So, you know, what industries are, you know, ahead of the curve in using CDPs and how are they using them? And maybe what are some of the laggard ones and what are their opportunities if they start using these platforms over the next few years? Very interesting pattern of adoption. The first CDPs on large were used in retail and in sort of the online media. So the Netflix and Amazon, where they're picking a lot of whether it's what article, what news article, what book, mm-hmm. what movie should I, should I recommend to you, that kind of media. Mm-hmm. And both of those are industries where you have a large number of transactions where the Transaction happens pretty much immediately. You buy it or you don't buy. You click on it, you don't click on it. And the tickets are relatively small. So those are industries where even a little improvement in targeting will immediately show investment returns. So we think that's kind of why those industries were were most right. They also happen Mm -hmm. to be industries that tend to be relatively immature technically. So they have a lot a lot of uh, old stuff kicking around that kind of sort of did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was a second wave, which was things like telcos and financial services um, and uh, transportation, uh, which are the classic data-driven industries. We always used to talk about those guys in addition to retail as being the ones that were most mature. And those mm-hmm. are all industries where there's a lot of customer data, where they've spent a lot of investment over the years. In their customer base, so they had a better environment to begin with. So they weren't quite feeling the same pain as retail in terms of not having any capabilities. We think that's part of the reason that they were a little slower to adopt. That again, just wasn't quite as pressing a need. They also are industries, if you think about it, where you have larger ticket, fewer purchases, longer consideration cycle. So mm-hmm. it's a little harder to see the immediate impact of the CDP targeting than it is in retail, where you can see it almost immediately. Now we're seeing a third wave uh, of industries, which are things like education, healthcare, even slower purchase cycle, biggest, bigger tickets, less frequent purchases. Uh, but they still have customers, you know, or they don't usually call customers, their constituents or their uh, students or, or their, um, you know, patients, uh, but whatever they are, they're customers. And they have data about them and they still want to give them a good experience. So there's still things that they can do that they can do better if they have a CDP and have that all customer data all in one place. So those guys are sort of the current, uh, I didn't call it cutting edge because even those guys have been doing it for a couple of years now. But it's been interesting to see just how that happened. And we think that it had to do with, as I said, the purchase dynamics of the industry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued with um, the hospital's that are gonna go from the last two years of what they've had to go through to 
you know, now recognizing the importance of technology, they've all accelerated putting telemedicine out there. Um, they have to find different, more configurable, customizable ways to work with patients. And, you know, I, that use case is screaming at me is like, you know, put a CDP in, start bringing your health records in, start bringing in the uh, device data that you can capture from, from uh, you know, from Apple's, from Google's, bring that data in and, you know, make the patient smarter, make the doctor smarter in terms of uh, what they're prescribing to different types of people. Sounds like a perfect use case, wouldn't you agree? It is, but it's a horribly complex environment, as you know, obviously. Of course. Privacy issues, uh, just electronic medical records, as you know, have, have been a nightmare. Uh, yes. Decades, really. So it's, it's not, a, not a trivial problem to solve. But as they get more uh, customer-oriented, more, more concerned about the patient experience and also the provider experience, uh, they do begin to be much more interested in, in using a CDP. And I think, honestly, as, as the other systems get better, the systems that collect the data in the first place get better than the CDP has more input to work with so it can do better things. Because, of course, if you're not capturing the data originally, then the CDP doesn't have anything to work with. But now they are getting much better at capturing that with their portals and so on. And that lets them take advantage of what a CDP can do. Yeah, I think we're... I agree. There's a lot of complexity there, but what I'm saying is, there's also um, a peaked interest. You know, this is, um, you know, on their radar. This is not something that's, you know, we just got to go back to the way we're doing we were doing things before COVID. And uh, they're asking questions about how to be smarter with patients. They're getting smarter about um, how do they think about using data and analytics, and how they're using data that they don't have access to through directly through uh, mobile devices and watches and so forth? So I think it's going to be a very interesting time around that. Um, you know, my next question for you is really, you know, tap your consulting background. You know, in terms of platforms, and you know, now I'm at that stage where I'm you know, doing a little bit of investigation, you know, I'm looking at what these different platforms can do. I want to understand time to value, ROI, ease of use, privacy regulations. You know, what are some of the things I should be looking for uh, when looking at these different platforms? You just listed a bunch of them. And those, those aren't really the things that you want to worry about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the most important thing with any system, and this is capping into my consulting background, is what we want to do with it. Yeah, that's the biggest mistake that people make is they don't understand their requirements before they go off and they start looking at systems. And then, of course, if you don't know what your requirements are, then you're going to make a choice that's based on something else. And that's not going to be the right choice. Or if it is, it's just dumb luck. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, start with your understanding what your use cases are, what, what shape your data is in. Because it may be that your data is simply not clean enough or, or available enough to get any value from a CDP. So what am I trying to do? What's stopping me from doing it? And what's the best way to close those gaps? Those are the kind of the three big questions that when I'm wearing my consulting cap, uh, I ask uh, to my to my clients. Right? Actually, I don't do any consulting anymore, but <laughs> the questions that I suggest that the clients ask to themselves. Um, and... You know, if the answer to, to why can't I do this, I can't connect data between systems, you know, that's what's stopping me from achieving what I want to achieve. Well, those are CDP use cases, and you probably need a CDP. Um, what kind of CDP do you need? Well, industry experience is really important. Uh, you know, some CDPs are 
general purpose CDPs and they can do anything and that's great. And, and you know, they literally can, they legitimately can, can do that. Um, other CDPs are specialized in a particular industry and that has lots of advantages in terms of data structures that are tailored to the industry and connectors to the standard industry operational systems and so on. So in, in the more complicated industries like transportation, like telco, um, we actually do see more specialist CDPs because those industries are so complicated and they have such special requirements and the data volumes in those two in particular are so huge that um, it, it makes sense to, to work with the specialists. But again, the, the big major CDP vendors, particularly the ones who focus on data management, uh, can handle those industries. But then I still come with an outlook about do you have people who understand the industry? You know, have, have you built out a custom data model for this industry just using your technology? Other things like that. So that that's that kind of experience is certainly one of the critical things. Scalability is important, um, and scalability in terms of data volume, but also in terms of speed of processing, uh, particularly as you get into real-time use cases, the ability to handle large volumes uh, of simultaneous real-time transactions is something that everybody could do. Uh, so there are a lot of you know, specific technical requirements that you want to look at. Um, Debbie resolution, we don't consider that to be something that a CDP must do because there's a lot of third-party identity resolution capability uh, systems out there. So we're perfectly happy for you to go out and integrate a third-party identity resolution solution, uh, in part because those require third-party data anyhow. In most cases, most companies don't have enough data to do property identity resolution just with their own data. So, but how are they going to solve that problem? And they're going to solve it in the channels that you know about. You're dealing with a lot of anonymous online visitors and you have a burning desire to identify them. Well, that's a very specialized capability. Some vendors have tools to do that. Some don't make sure the vendor you have has the right tools to deal with the kinds of data that you're dealing with. Yeah, so a lot of um, things to do discovery on, but I like really where you started from because if I talk to the technologist or the uh, the data specialist, they're going to go forward and say, well, you know, we need to figure out all the data sources. We've got to figure out all the data quality issues. We've got to figure out how we're going to join all this stuff. But they, they, they start down that journey without asking, what do you want to do with this thing once it's there? You know, they don't know the answer to that question. And if I start that discovery with the CMO or you know, a head of strategy uh, or, or, or somebody who's doing acquisitions, they're going to have a grand vision uh, that hopefully gives me those requirements. What do you really want to do with this thing? Uh, but, you know, they need to be educated on all the complexity it takes to get there and how platforms and skills and process get you there. And so, you know, you bring those two together and you start looking at right, left, you know, from benefit, and then left, right from, you know, where you're starting from. And then you start looking at what your platform needs to do for you. So um, it's a journey, uh, very interesting. Um, now I'm going to tap your other side of, of what you do. You said you don't do consulting anymore, but you founded the CDP Institute. You know, why did you find it? What, 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 and what's your goals with the uh, Institute? How do you help companies um, through the Institute? So the, the, uh, you know, the origin story of the Institute is that I named the CDP category back in 2013. And there's a blog post out there that I can point you to. Um, and so, and, and developed the concept, the writing as an analyst and so on uh, over uh, you know, many years. Um, and then by 2016, for some unknown reason, the CDP industry takes off. You know, 
figured out what was magical about 2016. Um, in general, it was not that great a year, but names <laughs> CDPs. Uh, and so then at that point, a couple of the vendors in the space came to me and said, you know, we want to do something to promote the category. You're kind of out of that. It's got to do that. So I didn't want to work for a vendor, but I, I was happy to be vendor neutral and build the institute. So that's what the institute is, is we are a vendor neutral resource. And as I said earlier, it's really just designed to help people do a better job, educate the world about customer data. And often enough, that leads somebody to buy a CDP that, uh, you know, the vendors are still willing to uh, fund the institute. So we are we are vendor funded, to be perfectly uh, clear about that. But the sure. truth about that is that we, we don't have to charge for membership. So anybody can go to www.cdpinstitute.org and um, use a vast library of resources that we've assembled for them that will make their CDP journey or their customer data journey uh, that much easier. Yeah, I have a theory for you. I think 2016 is really the year digital transformation really started to peak up people's interest. And the heart of that is really around customer experience and, and, and more around growth um, at the end of the day than just changing your model, your operating model around technology. You know, so digital transformation, changing the business model focused on customer experience and digital product, all those things kind of point to, well, what are you doing with customer data? You got to start there. Um, and so it's, it doesn't surprise me that that was an inflection year, but I'm talking to the expert, which is great. Uh, you're you're uh, listening and watching to customer data perspectives. And Dave, I have one final question for you before we close out. You're, you are the expert. What's your wish list easier button when it comes to gaining a competitive advantage with customer data? What's still hard that you think needs to get easier for everybody? I think that pulling together the different channels is still hard. You know, that, that data unification, that venue resolution thing, it's it's mm. it's not a problem that goes away. Uh, now with the loss of cook, third-party cookies mm-hmm. on the advertising front, it becomes even harder, not just to target people, which is what we think about when we hear about the loss of third-party cookies, but also to measure results. Mm-hmm. This person saw the ad and this person made a purchase over here. Are they the same person or not? We relied on cookies to tell us that, and now we're not going to have that. So uh, dealing with that issue, and, and CDPs are not a magic bullet mm-hmm. for that problem or for any other problem for that matter. Of course, we, uh, it's easy to get excited about them, and they're great in many ways, but they don't solve all your problems. And that problem in particular is just a fundamental data problem. And sometimes the, the, you know, the signal's just not there, in which case there's nothing you can do. But there are lots of things that you can do. So maybe if I had a second wish it's not so much an easy button, but a reality button is that marketers, and I'm a marketer uh, by trade way a million years ago, actually we living as a marketer. Uh, so, um, and uh, they know the right way to measure the impact of their activity is to do a proper test where you send half, set aside a control group and you send some people the treatment and you don't send the other people the treatment. You see how those two groups behavior and they all and they hate to do it it's really hard cdps make that easier i will say to their credit but you still have to do it you still have to set up those tests so i wish marketers would really just sort of bite the bullet on that stuff use the technology which makes that a lot easier than it used to be to Mm -hmm. do those kinds of tasks everything was online now you can actually track who's in which group and um, sort of kind of control their experience to some extent um 
And taking advantage of that, because that's the only way you're really going to learn all the other metrics that we look at, open rates and things like that. They're just vanity metrics. They don't really tell you what you need to know. So I think uh, I, if I, I wish, I wish the marketers would just sort of accept that and kind of do it right, which is in the heart of hearts. They know they need to do because uh, they would really learn. If they don't do it that way, they're going to uh, be chasing a lot of bad information, make a lot of bad decisions. They agree the answer. I mean, identity. I mean, we've been wrestling with this from a data and technology perspective for date for decades. You know, what's your address? What's the right zip code? You know, what's the right email address to reach people? Now cookies disappearing, uh, the uh, mobile platforms locking things down. And the truth is, I have multiple identities too, right? I have different ways that I uh, navigate. Um, and then we have this new thing coming down with Web three, with the metaverse, and what that's going to bring to this equation. So. Uh, a hard problem, probably going to get harder. And your answer to that is, you know, marketers, you know, go back to the basics of doing A-B tests, doing experiments, learning from what you're doing, uh, put the extra effort in. And uh, that's a good way to use a platform like a CDP. David, thank you for joining me today on Customer Data Perspectives. And thank you all for joining us for this episode and looking forward to seeing you on future ones. Have a great day. 